folks. Welcome back to Love and Grit. My name is Laia. Today's show makes way for two dope ladies who use their voices in two dope but very different ways. Kyra Knox is using her directing voice to make sure Philly's basketball courts stay safe and telling you the story via her new documentary, award-winning documentary. It's coming. Lady Alma's voice has been a legendary force in house music for decades. We're going to check in with her and all the fabulousness that's going on in her life. But first, we start with Kyra. When you are the granddaughter of an activist, some might say the fight is in your blood. Philly's own multi-award winning director, Kyra Knox, has taken her pop pop's passion for his people and combined it with her passion for the arts to present a project that Philly needs in all the ways. The documentary is called Bad Things Happen in Philadelphia. Stand by for the story behind the brilliant title. Yes, Allen Iverson has signed on as an executive producer. The project focuses on the impact of gun violence in the city and the nonprofits working hard to create change. It taps into how local basketball courts can be a safe haven and inspiration for young people as long as we keep those courts safe for them. It feels like a different type of filmmaking where the director is of the community and treats the subject with compassion and humanity while working with the organizations that support its upliftment. It is her love story, her love letter to her hometown. Welcome, Kyra Knox, to Love and Grit. Sis, you are doing it. Congratulations on your latest feat of being in the Philadelphia Film Festival. Thank you. Thank you. It's such an honor and it feels so poetic that our last festival is home. Like I'm bringing it back home to my hometown. Before we even get to this amazing project, I wanted to talk about you because it feels like this is a second chapter for you, right? Really getting into film in your 30s, even though, of course, you went to Kappa, you're amazingly talented, you have all the talents, but it wasn't until you were in your 30s that you started to take this film thing seriously. Yeah. So... As you know, I went to Kappa. I even went to Freedom Theater when I was six years old. I'm a Freedom Theater child. After Kappa, I got the opportunity to do an off-Broadway play in New York. And around that same time, my grandfather, who I dedicate the film to, he passed away from a heart attack. And my last conversation with him was, Pop Pop, can you put money in my bank account to get my headshots made? And in my mind at 18, 19, I thought I was the cause of his heart attack. And so I quit the arts. Quote, I was just done. After that play, I was just done. And it wasn't until I got engaged when I was 30 that I felt like something was missing. And I realized it was my love of the arts. I missed it. And so I went to my old acting coach here in New York and I would travel back and forth. I was doing my corporate job and he gave me this mission. He said, why don't you write your own one woman show? And so I wrote my own one woman show called Inner Strength. And it was like my therapy to get through the death of my grandfather. And I ended up putting into a festival, ended up getting to the United Solo International One Man, One Woman Festival, performed it in New York on Theater Row which was a big deal. And around that time, someone that I knew was like, hey, Kyra, can you produce my short film? You're so organized. I'm like, well, what do a producer do? Hmm. So I actually took a $70 course at Philly Cam, how to become a producer. I'm glad that was only $70. Shout out to Philly Cam. Right. And obviously, you know, your first few things, they're not great, but I really got the passion for it. And I would start asking people like, hey, can I shadow you? Can I shadow you? And around the time when I was 34, my husband came home and I was crying on the couch. And he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, can I quit my job? I want to be a producer. And he was like, well, give me 90 days. And I walked into the office and I gave them my 90 days notice. 
And around that time, a friend of mine, she's a creative director. She was working for this small boutique production company. We're looking for an actor for their short film. I did my audition. I got hired on the spot. And while we're doing our filming, when I'm supposed to be resting, I'm going to people. I'm like, hey, you need any help? I could do this. I could do that. And when we wrap production, the CEO was like, well, what are you into? And I said, well, I just quit my job because I want to be a producer. And he said, well, do you want to work here one day a week as a runner? And the rest is history. And five years later, here I am. Just dreams can come true. You're a total inspiration in that way. So let's talk about, okay, so now in walks this feature that you have now and this title we got from the former president. Just mm-hmm. tell me the beginnings of this and how this came together from this is the feature that I want to do as my first feature. And this is what I'm going to name it. It actually started out as a passion project, short film around the height of COVID. I was inspired by my cousin Gary's story. He is the founder of Shoot Basketball's Not People. And he utilizes his gift of basketball to keep the kids off of the street. And just hearing his story and following his journey and the kids, I was like, yo, cuzzo, can I do this story on you? It's just going to be a short film. And, you know, I'm a commercial producer and director, too. So I have people that are in the industry. And I was like, guys, I don't have no money, but I feel like this is going to be so impactful. Do you guys just want to help me out? And everyone just started pitching in for free, gear, everything. And then after a few days, I was like, we have something special here. I think I'm going to make my first feature. And so I created a sizzle. And with that sizzle, I was going to crowdsource to raise money. My film sister, I sent it out to her and she was like, "Uh, let me send this out to some people that I know. And she sent it to Mark Mims, who is now my executive producer. Yes. I get a text message and he was like, hey, can we jump on a call? So I was like, okay. And he was like, I know you don't know me from a can of paint, but please do not crowdsource. I will get you the money. Now, wait, I want you to stop because I'm curious. Why don't we want to crowdsource? Because if you crowdsource, it's not always guaranteed that you're going to get the funding that you really need. Okay. And you'll be just waiting and trying to build up that. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And he was like, I can get you this funding. And he did. And he came through. And because of Mark Mims, I was able to finish my first feature documentary. He took a leap of faith on me and he's a Grammy winning producer. He's on the music side. So I'm his very first film. Wow. And then he made the call to AI and AI saw just your sizzle. He just saw my sizzle. I feel Mm -hmm. this in my spirit. Yep. And attached his name to the project. And I want you to talk about how important it was for you and Mark not to do this whole exploitive thing of trauma. Because again, this film is about the violence that happens in Philadelphia as well. Talk about that and why that was important. I hate trauma porn. Yeah. When you get to see the film, there are stories that's going to be heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But what people don't know is that there's a lot of people's stories that I left out because it might have made the film even more emotional, but I didn't feel like it was needed for the film. There are certain details that I didn't want people in the film to have to relive over and over and over and over again. There are people that afterwards they will contact me a few days later and say, hey, I know I said this, but can we not include that? And even though they signed a release, I didn't include it because I respect my community. And what I always tell people is that I'm not a transplant 
I'm born and raised in Philadelphia, grew up uptown, still live uptown. So my community, my city trusts me as a black woman to tell their story and I would never betray their trust. Yeah. And you're setting a standard. It's interesting. I'm Now I'm wondering, like, how do you even begin to work on your on your next project after this? I mean, we're not even there yet, but knowing that you have kind of coined this whole process with not just film, but with community and organization. Do you feel mm-hmm. like this is the start of maybe who you are and the way that you're going to make your way in this industry? I do need a break. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I didn't want to put that on you too. Like that's the other thing. It's heavy. That's heavy. And that's why I'm excited about, I'm going into the narrative side. Tell um, me about it. Tell recent, me about it. Yeah. I recently got accepted to the Sundance Producers Intensive Fellowship and I'll be doing a narrative, a Latinx film about two young teenage girls, Puerto Rican girls living in Milwaukee. Cause I just need a break from the heaviness. I always tell people that I should have went to therapy and I probably still need to go to therapy after doing this film because it's a lot of trauma that I've taken on. And then you got to think you do the interviews after that, you're doing the editing. Right. So then you're reliving the stories and then you're going through the festival circuit. And then after the festival, when people are coming to you, then they're telling their stories to you, you know? So it's just like over and over and over again. So I really should have went to therapy after doing this. It's never too late, Kyra. I know, I know, I know. You wanted to make sure that this project was a tribute to what's happening in Philly, but not reducing it to just what's happening in Philly. And I'm asking you, especially on the precipice of what's going on currently in the media and in regards to Philadelphia and the light that's being shined on it. Can you break that down, what you meant when you said that? Because it's still my city. I love my city. I love Philly. I'm a Philly girl. It's also a love letter to my city. So I take you through a journey. You're going to cry, but then there's going to be some parts that you laugh and there's going to be some parts that the nostalgia kicks in. It's not all bad at all. And that's what I want people to know. And once people watch it, they're like, wow, you took me on a roller coaster ride in a good way. I just want to inspire change, not only in my city, but also in the whole entire country. And one of the most important things is I want kids to be able to be kids again. And the power of play, right? Just be able to play. And be able to play, you know. And one of the things that I did do in my film is that I did interview some of the teens because you always hear from the adults how they're dealing with it. But you never hear from these teens how they're dealing with what's going on in the city on top of social media, on top of this. I'm 39 years old. I have none of that when I was their age. You know, people laugh about being a teenager today, but it's like, no, nah, it's just really heavy. Social media, it ain't funny. It really has physical. Right. It does. I mean, if you got teased in school, you went home and that was it. Now people get bullied and stuff on social media. It's like relentless. In this project, having AI as an executive producer, was there something that he spoke to you about that he would like to see or that he just enjoys? I'm curious, did he have any suggestions in the process? No, he just trusted the vision. Good. He just trusted the vision. Yep. Speaking of the vision, uh, Cairo, when can we see the vision? The beautiful thing is that the Philadelphia Film Festival has given me not one, but two showings. It's October 19th through the 29th is the film festival. My showings are October 24th and Saturday, October 28th will have Alan Iverson there himself. I'm giving you the exclusive. Oh, I love that. 
Yeah. I, lo- yeah. I love that he's supporting this. And, I, and, you know, it's for us. And we are of a certain age. So we know how dope it is that AI supports a project like this about right? Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He was the face of so many things. And um, he still is, you know. And he still is. And he still is. So my other question was, I'm expecting to see this film in all of the film festivals next year. Like, will we see it in Black Star? By that time, it'll be on air. It's been bought. Are you saying, ma'am, that it's already been someone has It's been licensed. And that's why the Philadelphia Film Festival will be our last festival. We had to withdraw out of all of the other festivals, which is what you want, right? Yo, congratulations. Mm, I know you can't get. Mm, we'll be able to watch it at home. Yes, you will be okay. able to watch it at home on your TV screen. Oh my God. So as soon as you are able to let us know where we can watch it, you will let the folks, us 11 Grit, get the exclusive to what service or whatever. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I will send you that email. Where can everybody follow you and make sure that they are in the know? You can follow me on Instagram. I still call it Twitter at Kyra Knox underscore K-Y-R-A-K-N-O-X underscore. And you can find my work at www.kyranox.com. Okay. And is there anything else we should be looking out from you? Because girl, you're busy. I am blessed that I'm going to be working with the Philadelphia Eagles for the third year in a row. Yeah, you're doing the PSAs, right? Yep, I do their PSAs on gun violence. And the Eagles organization's organization I respect so much because they're not performative. They actually do. They actually care. That's why I'm always excited when I'm able to come back. So I'll be working on that again. And, you know, I, I just want to leave women with this nugget. And this is something that I always love to remind women. Don't let nobody stop you from your dreams. When I wanted to quit my job at 34, I got a lot of naysayers says, oh, she's going to quit her job. Shouldn't she be having a baby? Shouldn't she be settling down? My husband took a lot of knives behind his back because a lot of people said something. I always want to tell women, do not let people discourage your dreams. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you have children. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter. It's never too late to follow your dreams. And I'm 39. This is my five-year anniversary of quitting my job to follow my dreams. So if I would have listened to those naysayers, I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. I'm Chef Chad Williams from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the James Beard Award winner for best restaurant in the country. And you're listening to the Love and Grit podcast. I believe the names of all the legendary singing voices that come out of Philadelphia should be celebrated. And granted, most are throughout the world. Lady Alma is one of those names. Around the world, she is known as that queen voice in house music. She brings the soul to the house. Since the first time we heard her singing about happiness on that infectious track created by another Philly legend, King Brit, we knew she was different. feel different and boy could we feel it when she sings you feel it all over your body and the next thing you know you are moving lady alma has powers that exude when she releases sound that is a fact that has not only been recognized by her fans all over the world last year the eagles even took notice and invited alma to join in their first christmas album a philly special christmas And they raised 
$1.2 million to go toward local charities and businesses. That is just the beginning of what Alma has been doing since the COVID hit. And I am here for all of the stories, all of the traveling. She's just fresh in from Paris, maybe another residency. This is what she's been doing. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what is on the horizon for Lady Alma? Let's ask. Welcome her to Love and Grit. Welcome, Alma. Thank you for having me. So, okay, I have to assume that there are folks out here who don't know the name Lady Alma, but I feel like the story of house music, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because you are the queen of this thing. When it comes to Philadelphia's house music story, it just feels like it started with you and Brit. Am I tripping? Uh, yeah. I am tripping. So tell people, because I mean, I'm also also younger, so I didn't really know. (laughs) Well, you know, it wasn't house, but you know, you had Evelyn Champagne King doing disco, but it was moving over into that. So like those type of people and the Robinesses and stuff of that nature, those were like the foundation of moving into house. Disco is just house's mother. If disco is house's mother, who is house's father? Honey, some of everybody. She got a lot of daddies. She got a lot of that. It's like mama's baby, but daddy's maybe. So I, I like to say that her fathers are a couple of genres. You got that Latin-y sound sometimes, and then you got that gospel-y feeling sometimes. And then you have like that heavy bass or like churchy style. You know what I mean? Like she's got a couple of dads. But disco is definitely her mom. When you said that gospel part, you know what song that made me think of that yeah. was real popular over this summer was that Joy song. Yeah. Every fashion show that Pharrell took in that gospel choir, right? Yes. Because well, house is some of everything, though, for real, for real. More in the club, though, in New York, in the North Jerseys, and even Chicago, they lean more to the soulful and gospel-y. But then when you get over into Detroit, Detroit was the birthplace of EDM. Oh, my God. Teach us Professor Alma today because I didn't know that. <laughs> and techno is different. It's about the timing. It's about the sounds that are used. EDM is straight mechanical. But, you know, I don't want to say it don't have soul because the beat that bass kick, that's the soul. That's the heartbeat of house is the beat. The beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you recently traveled to Paris. Yes. And did a number of shows. Tell us about that experience. I mean, I, and I know it wasn't your first time performing in Paris. But it was my first time having the experience that I had this time. I got a chance to work in the studio with one of the Dijon residents. And I also performed at Dijon, which is one of the longest running house clubs in Paris dedicated to the dancer and the DJ. And this year they decided to extend it to the vocalist because that's what moves the people. Exactly. You know, the DJ be playing the music with the vocal. And that's one thing I did like about Dijon. A lot of the DJs that were there for the 20th anniversary, they all spun a lot of vocal 
Tell us some vocalists that would be with you in a situation like that. Like, who are your peers? Well, first of all, we had the queen, the real queen. I'm just the princess when it comes to this woman, Miss Barbara Tucker. She's been in the games for 38 years. She paved the way for a lot of the house artists today, and she's still going strong. She actually is doing something with a group, and it's Barbara Tucker presents the B crew. They got new stuff. Meeting Barbara was a highlight of mine because all the yes, all the years of me dancing to her music, I never thought that my career would take it where I get a chance to meet her. And I was greeted with so much love. And she spoke so much into my life on that day that I had the opportunity to speak to her. And so I'm grateful to be in this genre of music because it's so many in the R&B and it's so many that are doing hip hop and it's so many that are doing the other genres and Poor House was just sitting all alone. I was, it's funny as you said that, I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if House feels appreciated, like, I mean, as we are in this year of hip hop and House has got to be close in age to hip hop. But yes, you just said it. Disco burst house. It is. And you know what? A lot of the hip hop artists, especially the ones from up New York, were and still is house heads. So like my partner, Marley Maul, nobody would have ever thought that that brother spins house. He spins house besides hip hop. And it's his love. It was his first love before getting into hip hop. He met, I can see it because you can um, dance to it. And yes. it's feel good music. I mean, especially Lady Alma's music. It's like a special I love you feeling. so much, Laia. I love you even more. Like, for everybody who's listening, if you haven't seen Lady Alma live, when you do, you will become addicted. I'm in a withdrawal right now. What's October looking like and November looking like for you? Where are you, where are you at? Where are you blessing people? Okay, so October the 20th, I'm doing the barn. Now, what is this occasion at the ball? It's a fundraiser. I'm all about helping communities. I also want people to know that about me. Whenever I do my personal shows, Tony, who's my manager, he said, let's always do something with a purpose. And when I first started in the business, I wouldn't have understood that. Like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. But it took me taking off 10 years to take care of my mom, mm-hmm. to experience some things that I didn't think I would experience. And to come back when he said that it touched my spirit heavily because coming back, I said I wanted to do things for a reason, a positive reason, not just to be back, to be back. And so that's one of the things that I want the community to know. Alma likes to help people. You're here for folks. Tell us some of your uh, your recent most proudest reasons. Oh, well, of course, the Christmas album. Yes. organization that y'all raise money for again too it's the children's crisis treatment center 
But I also, because we raised so much money, they gave everybody that was involved monies to give to their charities. And I gave to the Women's Empowerment Group, which helps women in transition to get jobs and housing. And that's ran by Shakina B. And then Philly's Truce, which is Philly's own grand agent. I gave to those because they spoke heavily in my heart. Yeah, I wanted to give to someone that you know. Oh, that you actually can see. Right. Yes. Right. Because like I give to the people and you know, that's that. Right. But, you don't know who exactly it went to. It just went to that organization. All right. So what you looking forward to this year, Alma? I'm looking forward to doing the Thanksgiving parade with Jordan Malata. <laughs> that's right. It's going to be on six ABC and everything, right? Yes. And Hulu. And Hulu. Yes. I got a single coming out in January with the yes. legendary. DJ Morley Wong, who just got a Lifetime Achievement Award for being one of the pioneers in hip hop. And now he's doing his house thing. And I have some projects that are already out that I did with Mm -hmm. Philly, Rob Payne. I did something with DJ Spinner. did something over last year with DJ Terry Hunter and it's still out. And shout out to the one of the best bands in the city, Vertical Current. Yes. I just can't wait for 2024. I really cannot wait for this single. It's called Hallelujah in parentheses is joy. Tune in to WBLS. Yes, BLS. All right. DJ Molly Mall, he previews things, and you just might hear it on his show at noon. All right, you heard it here. So, Alma, let me ask you this question. You know, this show is called Love and Grit. When you think of Philly, how do you think that applies to the city? It's a city of love, but it can be challenging. It can be a little negative, but we still are the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection. So there you go, folks. Two dope ladies, two dope stories, and two dope voices being used in very different ways. One a legend already and one a legend in the making. That's Philly, y'all. Stay tuned. This is what we do. This is Love and Grit. Love and Grit.